Howdy, Mountaineers. I'm Kaylee Riccatelli coming at you with a solo episode of The Girls Who Get It. I haven't been by myself since our very first episode, which was a whopping 10 weeks ago. So we'll see how this goes. We've had some amazing guests these last couple of weeks and some interesting stories taking place in the sports world. But today we're going to bring it all back around to our Mountaineers, do a little recap on our fall sports, and look at what lies ahead for WVU athletics this winter. But like I said before, with every it's so over, there's a we're so back around the corner. And my fantasy team is back on top this week. I finally took a dub after a two-week losing streak. Shout out Josh Allen. He kind of led that. And then Rashad White, who had just like an absolutely random good week, thanks to those guys. Um, Also, we're now on episode 11 of the girls who get it. We hit double digits last week, which is so fun. And speaking of 11, another reason I'm having a good week. Y'all know I'm a Yankees fan. And my guy, Anthony Volpe, just won the American League Gold Glove at shortstop, becoming the first Yankee rookie ever to win the award. This is like, this is so fun for me because Derek Jeter was my favorite player growing up, right? He's my favorite player of all time. But I was kind of little when he was at his like, Pete, well, I don't know. He was really good his entire career. But, like, I was 13 when he retired. I was eight the last time we won a World Series. So I'm excited for this, like, getting to watch this again. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, anyway, off track. Last but not least, I started window shopping for some new climbing gear this weekend because you know what? The Mountaineer football team beat the BYU Cougars and are now officially bowl-eligible for this season. There's still a few weeks left in the season and we won't find out if and which bowl the Mountaineers will play in until December 3rd. But until then, as Miley Cyrus once said, it's all about the climb. Now, the Mountaineers play the Oklahoma Sooners this weekend out in Norman at 7 p.m. Eastern time because I was looking at some of Oklahoma's stats and when I looked at this game, it said six. And I was like, wait a minute, I thought that game was at seven. Then I remembered Oklahoma's on Central time. So 7 p.m., Eastern Standard Time, and the game will be on Fox. Now, Oklahoma is ranked 17 by the Associated Press right now and 16th in the coaches' poll. They have a 7-2 record this season and are currently undefeated at home. They're 4-2 in the Big 12 Conference. However, the Mountaineers are also 4-2 in the Big 12 and have a 6-3 record. So that's one less win than Oklahoma. Same record in the Big 12. And... I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling decent about this one. Oklahoma is coming off a 2-week losing streak, much like my fantasy team, going undefeated in the first 7 weeks and then falling to Kansas and Oklahoma State these last 2. Now, if it follows the same pattern as my fantasy team, this week does not bode well for the Mountaineers because I'm I'm back on it, baby, after my 2-week losing streak. But fear not, because there's actually quite a bit of hope for a Mountaineer win. The Mountaineers just hit a season high for rushing yards against BYU, and they've kind of been continually improving all season in every aspect. So we've had like a gradual kind of improvement all year. Oklahoma, not so much. They they started the season off really solid. Like, obviously, they're a great football team, and they started really good. But a decent team that's building and kind of on a run, in theory, can be a great team that's starting to plateau because it, it kind of depends on 
one, how we take this win against BYU and how we continue to build on things we're still improving on and how Oklahoma feels about their losing streak. Because if they take this losing streak and they get in their head and then they keep losing, okay, that's good for us. But then if they have this two-week losing streak and say, uh-oh, we got to get back, and then they come back with a vengeance, ooh, I don't know about that. We'll see how this goes. If the Mountaineers do win this weekend, it'll be huge because Oklahoma's on top of the Big 12, and we're, we're projected to finish 14th dead last in the Big 12 at the beginning of the season. And now, get this, I, okay, so I got to be in stats, but I do know this, it is statistically impossible for us to finish 14th now, and we're bowl eligible. The last bowl West Virginia appeared in was the guaranteed rate bowl in 2021, and appearing in a bowl this season would put WVU at 40 total bowl appearances since the team was established in 1891. The Mountaineers have secured the dub in 16 of those appearances, with their last bowl win being the Liberty Bowl in 2020 against Army. Now, switching over to the other football, the Mountaineer women's soccer team season has unfortunately already come to a close. We talked about this, I think, last week. Their year ended October 30th, the day before Halloween, in a loss to Texas in the Big 12 tournament. They finished with a 7-8-4 record overall, going 5-3-2 in the Big 12. Sophomore forward Taylor White was a standout all season, leading the team with nine goals. Fifth-year goalkeeper Kaza Macy also killed it this year, finishing the season with 59 saves. Now, White is a sophomore, so she can and might come back next season I mean barring a transfer or something but unfortunately being a fifth year we do have to say goodbye to Kaza Macy along with a lot of other astounding seniors that I did shout out an episode or two ago I mean I did say it last time I'm still so proud of those girls they they had a really good season and honestly the losses that they did have were very hard fought losses and their wins even better But one group of gals who are still out there battling is the volleyball team. So we've been keeping you posted on the volleyball team all season. And right now they have an overall record of 9-17 and and a 2-11 record in the Big 12. Now obviously that's a little rough. Most recently they were swept by Texas in two matches at the Coliseum this past Thursday and Friday. But an important thing to note, the Texas volleyball team is ranked number four. Like, I didn't know this until this year. Volleyball is, like, huge in the Midwest. Like, Nebraska, Iowa, Texas. I guess Texas is kind of Midwest. They're kind of Southwest. But that same, like, area, Oklahoma, they take volleyball so seriously. And it's just not as big of a thing in West Virginia. I mean, just from my experience growing up here. And WVU has a volleyball team that is 76% underclassmen. I calculated it. It's a little a little over three quarters. We also have a few transfers, meaning one, not all of these girls are used to playing on a big stage like this because they're so young. And two, they're not necessarily used to each other. But despite that, fifth year libero Camila Kovis and redshirt senior Lauren Delo are both leading the team well and not just in stats. But they are doing that too. D'Lo leads the team in assists with 917 and in aces with 25, while Kovas leads the team in digs with 349. And then just about every other offensive stat you can think of is led by junior outside hitter Haley Green, who has been 
integral to the volleyball team efforts this season. She has been phenomenal. Some other notable players have been freshman middle blocker Maddie McGath, sophomore outside hitter Bailey Miller, and sophomore middle blocker and outside hitter Tierney Jackson. Their next matches are against Texas Tech this Thursday and Friday, way out in Lubbock. And their last home match and senior night will be November 22nd at the Coliseum against the BYU Cougars. Also still fighting are our notorious soccer Kens, who are currently playing in the Sun Belt Conference Tournament. They beat Georgia State in the tournament already and play the Gamecocks from the University of South Carolina on Wednesday, November 8th at 7 p.m. The Mountaineers already beat USC earlier this season, 3-2 in an away game on October 12th. So that's looking pretty promising on our end because this is neutral territory. And if we beat them away, I don't know about y'all, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. Senior forward Yutaro Scotta, whose name I have been saying wrong all season and y'all didn't say anything. Y'all are fake. And I'll never forgive you for that. But anyway... Scotto was named WVU Student Athlete of the Week this week, and it was well-deserved as he scored the game-winning goal in WVU's regular season finale, 3-2 win over Old Dominion. Scotta and sophomore forward Marcus Caldera have been showing out all season, with Caldera leading the team in goals and points and Scotta leaving the team in assists. Senior goalkeeper Jackson Lee has been old faithful in front of the goal this season, pretty much holding down the position all year. Like, he has just been dependable, and that's one of the best things you can be in any sport. So, shout out to him and our offensive leaders there with Caldera and Scotta. Next up, I feel like I don't even need to say it, but the WVU rifle team is perfect, as expected. They are undefeated this year, ranked number one. Need I say more? We're a rifle school. Like, fifth-year student Mary Tucker, as expected, best in the nation right now. Looking at another trip to the Olympics. Like, hello, they're good. And they'll be in Morgantown for the WVU Fall Classic, November 11th and 12th at the Shell Building, starting at 9 a.m. And, 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 Morgantown is also hosting the NCAA Rifle Championships in the Coliseum coming up in March. Do I have to say it again? Rifle school. Like, we we have an Olympian here. I don't, ugh. If every other team disappoints me, I know I can always rely on our rifle team. And I, I stand by that. And that's that gives me hope. You know, makes me feel better on a bad day. Rounding our, our recap is the women's cross-country team who just finished fourth out of 14 at the Big 12 Championships. Now, I think I've mentioned it on here before. I'm a former cross-country runner. I ran in high school. Nothing past that because I was kind of mid, to be honest. But 4th out of 14 teams is like, because obviously that's not a whole lot of teams, but it's hard to get up on a podium at any kind of meet. And a collegiate meet and you're finishing 4th out of 14, because usually, at least in high school, if you had a field of 14 teams, the top three, I think, would medal. So if this, from what I know, if this was a high school meet, they were just out of like meddling. And that's still one of the best teams there if you get fourth out of 14. The Mountaineers' first finisher was Sarah Tate, who came in 25th overall with a time of 2037. And this is a 6K, which I think is about 3.7 to 3.8 miles in 20 minutes. 
In the time it takes for me to watch an episode of New Girl, she's already run almost four miles. Like, me being mediocre in high school. I ran 3.1 miles in 23.45. She's running over a half mile more than that in three minutes quicker. This is insane. Behind Tate was fellow senior Catherine Doey and finishing third for the Mountaineers while notching a career best 21.03 was freshman Lexi Lamb. Congratulations to her. PRs, like personal records and team bests are huge. So congratulations to her. That's awesome. And in the Big 12 championship meet. That's amazing. The cross country team will now compete in the Mid-Atlantic Regional Meet on November 10th at 12 p.m. So best of luck, ladies. Keep on trucking. And now a very, very brief, but actually not so brief now that I've already written it, preview of what to look forward to this winter because I'm running out of time and I don't want y'all to get bored. The WVU women's basketball team is getting ready to take the court this season for the 50th time as the squad is celebrating half a century as a team in 2023. How exciting is that? Basketball, tennis, and gymnastics became the first women's varsity sports at WVU in 1973. Kitty Blakemore served as their first coach, and their first game saw a 59-55 win over West Liberty State College. And, fun fact, on December 21st, 1984, WVU's own George Ann Wells became the first woman to dunk in a basketball game. Did you guys know that? I actually already knew that, and you'll see why. This happened against Charleston in my hometown of Elkins, West Virginia, at the Randolph County Armory. Now, that building isn't the armory anymore. It's a community center, but the building is, in fact, still there. So, not to flex, but my junior prom was there. So, George Ann Wells dunked. First woman to dunk in a basketball game. And then, what? 34 years later, I absolutely annihilated the Cotton Eye Joe on that very same floor, and that's feminism. Imagine imagine that was a mic drop. But anyway, the Lady Mountaineers start their season at the time of recording tonight, but by the time this comes out, it will have been yesterday, Tuesday, November 7th, against Loyola, Maryland. Mark Kellogg is at the helm for the team this season, and they're bringing back players like J.J. Quinterly and Jayla Hemingway, which will really benefit the Mountaineers having such integral players who were on that NCAA tournament team last year, especially after going through another head coaching change in the offseason. Mark Kellogg is coming from Stephen F. Austin and has six consecutive postseasons under his belt coming into this season. And in the last five seasons, he led Stephen F. Austin to two NCAA tournament appearances and three three WNIT appearances. I can't wait for the game tonight to see what these girls can do. So best of luck to those gals for their 50th season. That's huge. The men's basketball team has already taken the court for the 23-24 season and as of now are undefeated. (laughs) They won a charity exhibition game against George Mason and claimed their first win of the regular season against Missouri State on Monday, November 6th with a final score of 67 to 59. This means head coach Josh Eilert officially has his first game and first win done and over with. So that's probably a weight off of their shoulders to not have to worry about that anymore. And with a little bit of a rough offseason, I think the boys really needed this. With the abrupt, quote-unquote, resignation of Bob Huggins and then the various events 
that followed, and then the denial of Raekwon Battle's waiver by the NCAA, which... Mm, don't even get me started, because... I mean, we were, we were relying on him. He was coming in like... He was supposed to be a big part of this team. And then, this is, this is the second time the NCAA has done this to us with Jose Perez last year, who that's a whole other thing I'm not even going to get on right now because now Perez is no longer here and then they deny battles waiver and they waited literally like until the last minute to deny it like that's just that's so much that's just foul and I, I think we I believe we are appealing it West Virginia politicians like uh Jim Justice big old Jim and Patrick Morrissey have written letters to the NCAA asking them to reconsider their de- their decision. You know, give us the appeal. And honestly, if that doesn't work, it's time to bring out the big guns. Put Baby Dog on the case. Give her a piece of paper. Put a little paw print on there. Just write, like, pretty please. I'd fold if I was, like, the NCAA president. He'd be on the court that day. If it was Baby Dog, yeah. Get... Give her whatever. Sorry, I just got a notification on my phone, like, as I was recording that. So, like, I'm I'm a Titans fan, too, right? Um, Mike Vrabel just named Will Levis the starting QB and Ryan Tannehill the backup. That is all. That also has no, absolutely nothing to do with the Mountaineers, but, like, that's kind of huge. I'm excited. I'm excited. Okay, sorry. We interrupt this program. Coming back. Anyway, waiver denial rant aside, not long after that was denied, a cook a cook experienced a medical emergency during that exhibition game against George Mason, which was so scary. I was there and I swear you could have heard a pin drop. Like I'm that I know that's like a very cliche kind of phrase, but I'm not kidding. It was so quiet in there, so scary. And there that was for five to ten minutes, I think. Not fun. Now, he was on the bench for the game Monday. He obviously didn't play, but he stayed at Ruby, I think, maybe one or two nights and then was back at home recovering. And then the fact that he's even coming to the games is hopefully a pretty good sign for his future. Now, does that mean he'll play this season? Does that mean he'll ever play again? Does that mean he'll play for the Mountaineers? I don't know. But I'm hoping the best for him, and I hope that whatever that medical emergency was, that he continues to recover and improve and hopefully get to return to basketball. And then, because we literally just cannot catch a break, you heard it here on the pod last week because I found out while we were recording that um, Kirk Creesa was suspended for nine games due to impermissible benefits he received while he was a student athlete at Arizona. Like, I'm sorry, but why is WVU suffering for mistakes he made at Arizona? And they have done little to nothing to Arizona. I'm, I'm not going to go on another NCAA rant, I promise. Like, I get, that, I get that he has to be disciplined in some way, okay? But, like, come on. Like, on a team that was already struggling with depth issues, that definitely did not help. But players like Jesse Edwards, Quinn Slazinski, Seth Wilson, Kobe Johnson, they've all kind of stepped up and... Seth Wilson and Kobe Johnson were both here last year. So we kind of already had an idea of where they were going to be in this team, what kind of part they would play. But all the other pieces, even outside of those four that I just mentioned, have really come together impressively well, considering all this team has been through in such a short time. Oh, I'm sorry. If y'all couldn't tell, I had a cold like last week. and It's like starting to clear up. 
But um, if if I start getting like really nasally and sound kind of stuffy, that's why. <laughs> My apologies if I've sounded like absolutely disgusting this entire time. But obviously some of their biggest challenges will come in their first nine games where they will only have eight players while Kreisa is suspended and a, a cook is injured and battles waiver is not approved. But also evident in the George Mason game was foul trouble with a very short bench. That's something they're going to have to be careful about because it started getting a little bit dicey during the George Mason game. Um, from what I saw, I unfortunately had to leave halfway through the Missouri State game because I remembered I had homework that required memorization. Um, and I really didn't think I was going to be able to do that correctly if I stayed for the whole game. Academics come first, folks. Academic weapon. From what I saw against Missouri State, we were really, really watching the foul trouble. So that's hopefully something that we will continue to be good about while we have limited resources available. We'll put it that way. Also rebounds. Rebounds. Holy Lord Almighty. Somebody rebound the dang ball. You get under the hoop, you grab it. Whoa, so easy. A caveman could do it, especially if that caveman was like almost seven feet tall, guys. Get a dang rebound. Okay, more winter sports to be on the lookout for are wrestling and swimming and diving, but maybe we'll look at those later because I have been talking for a very long time. (laughs) Uh, And you have been my captive audience and I appreciate it. So thanks for listening to the girls who get it. You can keep listening at thedaonline.com slash podcasts or wherever you stream podcasts. So I'll see you next time because the girls who get it, get it. Deuces. Deuces.